Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Sherrod and Chris Legg. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, and we have a full studio again today. Chris Legg, Chris Sherrod, and Bryn Starnes. How you doing? You guys are laughing at me because I <laughs> cleared my throat right before. Right, that was great. <laughs> my daughter. That's, that's, that's a professional thing. Callie, yeah. Callie yeah, yeah, gets yeah. into these. Is it ASMR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like, 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 like <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. the sound of unwrapping gum or the yeah. sound of people chewing. Like, oh my gosh, I know. Which kind of bugs her, but then she'll like watch, listen to this sound, and she gets all. I know. For a while, I was listening to it to like help me go to sleep. So, and I, I just, I love seeing Chris Legg's face when he hears that, and he's. Just, there have been a few times in other podcasts we've done, and he's like, "Are you seriously chewing right now?" <laughs> he's like, "Please stop." You listen <laughs> to people chewing to go to sleep. I don't listen to people oh, chewing. Okay. It's something else. But, but I do remember as a. But kid. some of it is like smacking, and I mean, oh. I just people are weird. At our church growing up, there was a, a deacon. Whenever he would pray. It was like, and Lord, we want to ask. <laughs> and it was like this sound that oh, I, I could not listen to what he's doing every time he prayed. Oh, my goodness. Senses. It was the. Uh, now yeah. I'm very self-conscious about. I need therapy. Any- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, can't see it. Good I grief. Can't, I can't see it. Man. Well, you're just, you're early. Thanks, hey, no. listeners, you're just learning a little bit about us. Some quirky things. Uh, <laughs> but right. all of that say, we're glad that uh, we're glad to be back, um, <laughs> picking back up with uh, canonization and kind of talking about the Bible as a as an inerrant, you know, is inerrant scripture, God's mm-hmm. truth, um, God's word to us, and it's something that we can believe, and it is reasonable to believe that, and it's not just something that was um, decided flippantly as uh, some kind of current, uh, kind of whether you're listening to different podcasts, they're saying, oh, you know, calling into question things about, okay, it's not actually, you know, it's not legit to believe the Bible because some emperor a long, long time ago decided that that was the case or the council of Nicaea just kind of brought this out of the air. That's not the case about the the canon. So, and what we talked about last time when we talked about canon is that canon means... It means originally read, but it now means standard. Standard. And but read, R-E-E-D, yeah. yes. meaning uh, like, a, like a yardstick. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Something yep. that you measure with. That's right. Yeah, that's the basic concept. And right. it is a, canon, canonization became a big question, um, mid middle of the 1900s especially, when okay. there were several things written and published that kind of made claims about canonization that still really haunt kind of scholarship today, like that there was all these different versions of Christianity and they all had their own books and they fought it out and the team that won got to decide the canon, for example. is a That's, a, that's an oversimplification, but it's not far off from how what often it is taught in, in academic circles. Okay, and, um, That's not an accurate representation of where canonization comes from or that just the thought of creating something that you would call scripture yeah. is not something that the early Christians would have even thought about. That mm-hmm. wasn't until later when it became a governmental issue. That that also is an error. That's a mistake. Um, and I think people don't realize, too, a lot of the lost books they talk about, the early church even knew about a lot of them, but they oh, right. recognized them as, that's that's not 
on par with the right. rest of Scripture. That's not so either not us, mm-hmm. not part it's of It's not us. like they were trying to hide it or we've discovered something no one ever knew before. Right. Yeah. They just were willing to go, yeah, that's there's a reason we didn't accept it. Mm. Guess it seems like it's about time for the gospel of Judas to be discovered again. Mm-hmm. It gets about every ten or fifteen years. <laughs> right. it, oh, is that it, the case? Like people, so somebody comes up with the gospel oh of Judas, gosh. and then like, it yeah. becomes a magazine will post something or whatever. Okay. And yeah, people are like what we had no, and yeah. it's like you didn't know about this. Yeah. It, I've I've now been at this long enough that I didn't realize that as a younger person, but now I've been at it long enough to realize there's this pattern of every few years we rediscover the. Gnostic gospels gospel or the, Thomas. Yeah, the gospel of Thomas or the gospel of Philip or Mary's gospel or mm-hmm. whatever. Well, that's, and that's what I've really loved about these conversations, especially being, you know, having grown up in the church and, you know, when, when you, when you're, when you're younger, you kind of hit these roadblocks or you hear these things for the first time. And like we've talked about a lot, it's like, oh my goodness, somebody's challenging this thought. Oh my goodness, I've never had this thought before. Right. And so it's really yeah. humbling. And then also, I'm, I mean, it's really comforting to know, hey, this is not the first time that this has come up. No. Um, and so if you're listening, like hearing these things about Gnostic Gospels, maybe this is the first time you've heard it or recently. Yeah. Um, it is, but it has been something that's been challenging you. Know that you're in good company. And a lot of people have asked these questions before now. Um, can we... Just quickly go back, like we've, uh, we hit a little bit about the Old Testament canonization. Why, why is it two different um, conversations, Old Testament canonization versus New Testament canonization? Mm-hmm. Um, my assumption is because we were, what we were unpacking in that conversation was the Hebrew Bible mm-hmm. that existed, and then now the New Testament is, you know, is different than the Hebrew Bible. Right. Is that why it's kind of, I'm assuming that's why we're sure. Well, there was this guy named Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, and but for somebody like wow. <laughs> zing. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that was, yeah, I don't, and again, and that might be a silly whenever. question. I'm just saying it's not, no, it's good. It's not, it's, it's a, we're not saying there are two different Bibles, but at this no, there's you know not two saying? different things that we call the Holy Bible. Exactly. But you had two different populations that were choosing their holy books and and grouping them and and in essence canonizing them. In the Christian world, there was a canonization process of all sixty six that was finally determined um, a few hundred years after Christ. But but you know you had obviously you had the Hebrew people what they referred to as Scripture right. long before. Um, long before Jesus walked on earth mm-hmm. as the Messiah. And so that but when, was But when Matthew happening. finished pinning his gospel, he wasn't like, and this is scripture now. You know, it's hard to know. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not an easy question to answer. Mm-hmm. When did they consider it? Well, and I do, going back to your question, yeah. Colson, I, it was really helpful the way that both of you phrased um, how we view the Old Testament during the last conversation, because it's not that it is, I forget the wording, but you essentially were saying it's not that it is, um, it's it's just that it's fulfilled. Right, Do you remember? Right. I don't remember yeah. the exact phrasing. But so we treat it as, as different, not that it is less authoritative, it is just fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And right. so mm-hmm. not only is it a different time frame, but it's also we view it, still as scripture, but with a different purpose? Is that how you would? That's part of it. It's it's interesting. One of the things that we were talking about yesterday, a few of us were talking about at my house about some of this, was the 
the way that that we want to treat scripture as though it's written to us, right? New Testament and Old Testament, yeah. And that's not accurate. Right. It, mm-hmm. it was at at best written for us, mm-hmm. for us to learn from and to grow through and to be have revealed about human nature and about God and and what He requires and all of that. But but you have to be very careful with saying this is written to me. I mean, we even mm-hmm. just studied First mm-hmm. Peter, which begins to you know, to the saints who are scattered in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It didn't mention Tyler once. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Or Texas right. once, or the United States once. So clearly that's not a letter written to us. Right. It says who it's written to. Right. Much less you get you get deeper into something like to the letter Paul's letter to Timothy. Mm-hmm. Right. To a now it's not even a population. Yeah, it's yeah, to yeah. a person. And we have to be so intentional and careful and even if I can say it's sophisticated about how we engage with those things as what they are. Mm. And it's a it's a nasty habit. I, maybe that's a, maybe that's unfair, but it's a habit of Christians sometimes to treat even Old Testament text as though it was written to them. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it is very clearly not written to them. It is written to God's covenant people in that time period, because it's about, for example, getting to stay in the promised land. Yeah. Well, that's clearly not. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not promised to stay in the promised land. That's not for us as Christians in any way. And and so. Not for the not for the nation of Israel. I mean, it's again. That's why you can't just find a verse and go, oh, no, nah, see that verse that says this, and that's, and and that's why back to that conversation we had, like you know, with David. Yes, context matters, mm-hmm. um, and so understanding the the Hebrew scripture from from that perspective, recognizing that it is fulfilled, and I think we use the example of like. A dating relationship mm-hmm. is fulfilled in engagement. An engagement is fulfilled in marriage. It's not canceled. It's not. Yeah. It's not done away with. Mm-hmm. It's not. But you're not teaching against it. You're not calling it evil. You're mm-hmm. not. You're just saying its its purpose has been fulfilled. And then aspects of it carry through, That's and aspects of it yeah. don't carry through. I was going to say yeah. a lot of it overlaps, mm-hmm. but then it, it continues to grow, and some things don't apply anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But then just coming up to speed on the New Testament. And then it, it, is it accurate to say that all of the Old Testament was viewed as scripture by the time of Jesus? Um, like it was again, viewed it's as probably a little the more complicated God. than that. Certainly, parts of it absolutely were from mm-hmm. very early, like the Torah was. I mean, the, the first five books, the books of the law, are were pretty much universally done that way. Um, and um, for the most part, the prophets would have been so that the easiest ones are the the law and the prophets, and then the writings. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the histories were probably treated as, uh, may not have been universally considered like breathed by God, so to speak, the Chronicles and the Kings and the Samuels. It's not that they weren't divinely inspired. It's that they were hist- they were treated, they were, that was their history textbooks. Mm-hmm. And so what messages were in there? Yeah, God gave messages in there, but we still have to treat them as what they real, originally were. And then you, I mean, you're still stuck digging into the correct understanding, you know, when people talk about, they give a very simple definition and very, this is a, a problem. Again, I feel like, I feel like we're getting a little off topic yeah. here. We'll need to come back to, yeah. but, but the, the simple understanding people read it in English and they go with the simplest understanding in English and then argue that that's noble. Like, Oh, this is the simplest understanding in English mm-hmm. or maybe even medieval English. And we go, that's, there you go. See, I don't need to argue about it. It says this, it's that, Yeah. you know, the Bible says it. Yeah. I believe it. that settles it. And it's, yeah. It's like, well, okay, but but you may be interpreting a word very, very differently from the way yeah. the Hebrew, the ancient Hebrews did, and sometimes we don't know how yeah. the ancient Hebrews interpreted those concepts or words. 
It's but, tough. But then most of the Old Testament books, as far as canon, yeah. would have been recognized as Hebrew scriptures at the time yes. of Jesus. Yes. And so, and I think even, y'all can correct me if this is in. Actually, by about 150 years before Jesus, most people think at that point it was essentially settled. Okay. There would yes. have been little outliers here and there. Do we allow this one? Do we like this one? Do we do this one? Because are different schools of thought. Josephus That's what I was gonna has say. Yeah. a mm-hmm. record of finding all of the Hebrew scriptures in the temple right before the fall of Jerusalem yeah. in 70. So it was, a, I mean, a similar yeah. around that time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josephus said after Malachi, like it ends after Malachi. So even the apocryphal mm-hmm. books we mentioned before mm-hmm. weren't, they were and, regarded as. And Josephus was a historian, mm-hmm. not yes. a biblical character. Right. Yeah, Josephus was a. He, a Jewish by lineage, a Jewish historian who essentially worked for the Romans, mm. and so it's he's, that's where we get some of our very uh, debatably, but very possibly the earliest mentions of Jesus in Christianity comes from Josephus. He references them. Some people have said those were ad, some of those were added in later or adjusted, and it's again impossible to know for sure. Yeah. But um, but yeah, he's a very important character from that time period because he kind of rode the fence between Roman history and Jewish history and mm-hmm. kind of integrated them in some amazing ways mm. it's very he's, his his historical it's still from its time period mm. he probably exaggerates numbers based on just like all historians did from that time period probably now he may not have it may be that we're underestimating numbers um but yeah he's he's looked mm. to with a lot of respect wasn't he part of the jewish revolt and then and then switched sides and then switched and the romans had him write the history of the yeah antiquities of the jews yeah, yeah. But as far as like a from a Christian testimony, he didn't have an ulterior motive for backing up. He was not a Christian. Right. Yeah, there's no indication of him ever making any type of Christian conversion. So he was just a historian. Historian, right. Okay, so kind of taking a higher higher view, step back, New Testament. Yeah. We have kind of what's what's the breakdown for our listeners? I mean, we've got the Gospels. Right. And then... The letters. The letters. Yep. And then... Well, yeah, it goes Gospel... And then there's the one historical book in addition to the Gospels, Acts. And then mm-hmm. you've got Paul's writings, which are letters to churches and then letters to individuals. Mm-hmm. And then you've got just the last few ones. you got the last few letters from yeah, the, apostles and others. Mm-hmm. Yes. Peter and John. And then you have James and Jude, mm-hmm. who are probably half-brothers of Jesus. Yeah. Um, same mom, different dad. Yeah. Uh, in case that's not clear. Okay. <laughs> um, and then we have John's Revelation. Mm-hmm. Which kind of is a standalone genre? Yeah, uh, apocalyptic. God, mm-hmm. I nearly said apocryphal again. Yeah, apocalyptic <laughs> book. Um, Would it could yeah. it be considered prophecy? Or oh, certainly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Pro- yeah. and so so then I I know there's a lot of questions and a lot of things that come from, you know, looking looking into New Testament canonization, and I know that we're going to bring a lot of those to the table, but it's like a lot of letters were probably written. You know, like how did how did we decide on these books? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, good question. Good. The, yeah, they had different. Um, one of the obvious ones was was it apostolic or was it written by someone who was an eyewitness? Yes, yeah, so kind of a primary source uh-huh, or recording eyewitnesses. So people would say that Mark was written down by Peter. Um, Luke was there interviewing people who had seen it firsthand. Uh-huh. Matthew saw it firsthand. John saw it firsthand. So mm-hmm. that's one of the big ones. Was it? an actual apostle or, you know, recording the testimony of one. Right. That was pretty, that one's it. Um, so as far as like crazy one. criteria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you yeah, have yeah, other yeah. criteria that you uncovered? 
I have a few things, but I don't know. I don't have an exhaustive list. But okay. that was yeah. But what? <laughs> yeah. What did? Guess, what did you find? Yes, I'll guess, and then you can add or or edit. So that was one. A Paul apostolic connection mm-hmm. is one way that right. Um, because it is either written by an apostle or backed by an apostle, their testimony somehow connected. Right. And and that that is because Jesus gave them authority. Of right. Jesus gave them the authority of of after I go to heaven, and then. Um, obviously inspired by God, which was okay. one recognized by uh, recognized as authoritative by contemporaries. That's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of that is, and we can unpack how that worked with the apostles still being alive. But my understanding is that the reason that there wasn't a need for a specific canon while the apostles were still alive is because Jesus had given them authority and so if there was something that was being written or said while they were still alive of like hey Jesus said this or did this they would be able to refute whether or not it was accurate while they were still alive right and um and then there was let's let's go back to that one that you said yeah. about um was it recognized by each other mm-hmm. so this yeah. is this was super important um, in other words, did they cite each other? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's fascinating is we probably can guess at the order of the Gospels because they cite each other. Mm. That's how we know probably John was last, and we know Matthew and Luke were about the same time, and we know that Mark was first probably, mm-hmm. is because both Matthew and Luke quote Mark, and John quotes all three. Mm-hmm. And so almost certainly you have... Well, John apparently liked Mark or he wouldn't quote it, mm-hmm. which is fascinating when you consider that none of the four of them have identical accounts. Right. But they respected each other's account enough to cite from one another. And mm-hmm. some people think there's even uh, at least one or two gospels that were written even before Mark that we've lost. Mm-hmm. So the the one the one heading that kind of we leave out when we talk about choosing canon is do we have it? Yeah, okay. So there are several letters and probably several, probably at least a couple of gospels and several letters that we know, letters we know that exist, that existed that we don't have because they're referenced in other letters. Like the the, Corinthians the biggest is argument is that there's at least four Corinthian letters. Yep. And so when and you that's think about why, that, that's tough. If you hear the word synoptic, they're talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Because mm-hmm. sin, optic, like they're seeing the same thing. Like they, they follow the same pattern. John kind of does. Yep. Kind of deviates from that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just if you hear that word. Synoptic, yeah. Synoptic gospels. The three synoptics. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's right. But when it goes back to do they acknowledge each other when it right. comes to as scripture, I think that's a fascinating concept even to see. Like, I think you may have mentioned this in the sermon, but Second yeah. Peter 3.16, when Peter's talking about Paul, correct? Right, Where right. He's like, um, some of the things that he says are hard to understand, and people will distort it as they do the other, other scriptures. scriptures. Other scriptures, yeah. yeah. He uses that language. Yeah. Yep. And Paul quoted Luke in, I think, First Timothy 5. Right. And he's like, is it 5? I don't know. I'd have looked or that 11. for sure. I think so. Um, so they did know about each other. Mm-hmm. You can grab that real yeah. quick. Um, and I think... It is significant. I mentioned this before about the apocryphal books. Does it claim to be authoritative? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, coming from God. That's a big one. And then 
is it widely accepted amongst believers? Like where they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's in line with all mm-hmm. of the doctrine or beliefs or what yeah. we have. Mm-hmm. And th- there was debate, and I, I think that's, in, and again, it's one of those people feel a little unnerved to hear this, but there was, there were books that were debated, like Hebrews, because we're not right. sure exactly who yeah. wrote it, and right. so people were like, we shouldn't include that, or people felt James was a little soft because it talked about works, works so <laughs> much. Like people didn't like yeah. you know, so there was debate about which mm-hmm. ones should be accepted in them. But then, Grand scheme. Is yep, it, there I mean, it is. It's it's a okay. uh, uh, First Timothy five seventeen is quoting Luke ten seven. The labor deserves his wages. Okay. Um, and in fact, what's interesting is Paul quoting this to Timothy says two things. One, for the scripture says, "quote You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain." Well, that's from Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's quoting Hebrew scripture, mm-hmm. and quote the labor deserves his wages. Well, that second quote that he's putting in connection with Deuteronomy is Luke. Hmm. And so um, the labor deserves his wages is, is, seems to be very much so connecting the gospel of Luke to the Deuteronomy in equal authority. Yep. Um, so Luke, he is treating, Paul is treating Luke as Scripture. Wow. Yeah, that's just a good thing to, mm-hmm. to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And then wouldn't, would you say that an, another criteria is that it's it's congruent with the rest of canon and christian teachings which is another reason why like the gospel of thomas would potentially have some of the criteria but not that Mm -hmm. one specifically yep Yep. so they weren't confident for thomas for example they weren't confident thomas wrote it it is not commonly cited by other church leaders at the time and by the way when i say cited by one another i don't just mean other scriptural accounts, but the the next generation of Christians mm-hmm. wrote a lot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so what do they go to? Like, what do they cite, and what do they oh, go okay. to? And so, very often, like their gospels that you know by the three hundreds that you're going, oh, should this belong or not? Well, the problem is none of the second generation of Christians ever cite it. Mm-hmm. They never mention it. They never cite it. They don't go to it. They don't reference it. They don't quote it. Well, that's a bad sign. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, you have something like Hebrews which we don't know for sure who the author is, but it got cited by the second generation of Christians all the time. Yeah. So they considered it, the ones who like literally, and you have to picture it, these are the ones who sat in a room with John taking notes. Mm-hmm. And, and so they taught, they thought of Hebrews as authoritative, even though we didn't know the author. And Hebrews almost didn't make it because of that. Mm-hmm. But, but it was so, as I understand it, it was so commonly referenced by the church fathers that somebody just said, listen, mm-hmm. can't. We can't leave it out because they're always quoting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is not an area of expertise, but it's been one of, of fascination for me yeah. for a while. But for me, it was very personal. I had to study it until I was convinced, and then I was yeah. kind of at that point, I was like, "And eh, I don't need to keep going with this because I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm now convinced this is rational, even at spirit led, which I firmly believe." But because this was a very prayerful ex- exercise for them, very serious mm-hmm. uh, prayerful exercise. I mean, they, these were guys, many of whom thought they were going to answer to God for this. Yeah, um, they were. They weren't worried about answering to Rome for this. Yeah. They weren't worried about answering to a to a an emperor. They were worried about answering to God for what got, what books got <laughs> chosen. Wow. Um, they and they took that very very. So seriously. the notion that this is just a you know a flippant thing that somebody decided in some council. Yeah. But is I mean that's yeah complete mistake. Yeah. In fact, it's not even the, the way it's often presented sometimes in secular circles is that so the sense in which there's there's an accuracy to this. Constantine was 
as a new convert disturbed by the disagreements. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things he asked of the council, he had no authority to give instruction at the council, but that he asked of the council is that they come into alignment with everything they could. Yeah. Like, okay, can we find out what you do all agree on? Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that created a series actually of councils that had to do with kicking heretics yeah. out, mm -hmm. kicking, removing heresies. And that was, that was like, okay, we're, since we're trying to come into some type of alignment, if there's, if there's 250 of us and two of us have this certain view, okay, we're, we're going to have to go with, okay, we, we're pretty confident you're not on base. Mm. Um, and, uh, and they would debate them. These people weren't just radically removed. It was, all right, we're going to hold a whole council and let you give, give it your best shot. Sell it and see if you can convince us. And then at the end, they would vote. And, yeah. uh, you know, Dan Brown's famous for the, uh, what was the name of his book? Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. And in it referencing that, for example, the vote with Arius was a he quote he says like a quote a near, yeah a near close vote or something that the language yeah. he uses and it turns out it was everyone against two, mm -hmm. and Arius was present with his number one disciple, so probably we can guess at who the two were mm -hmm. at the end of it. It was <laughs> not near, it was it was universal if you took Arius out of it. Everyone agreed. No, that's wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's it. It was not a close fought battle at all. It was very, very clear in the church. Nope, Jesus was not a created being, mm -hmm. which was all that he was. He was trying to prove Jesus was. Yeah. A, and he even believed. Like what's wild is he believed Jesus was God. He believed he was the Son of God. He believed well all the things, but that he believed he was a created being. That God had started him, mm -hmm. not that he had always been. That was all the debate going on. Yep. And it still was that clear vote. Wow. Anyway, it's just it's just a. Anyway, you get sidetracked with that stuff. Yep. Well, that's where, you, again, you'll hear people now say that it was decided on either. Some people, for some reason, will throw in King James in there. but <laughs> that, mm. You're a thousand years know, late right? at that point. But yeah. it's officially the church <laughs> at the Synod of Hippo mm -hmm. yep. uh, in 393 is when they um, officially, again, they acknowledged it officially, even okay. though that it had already been recognized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was something that was council. really helpful to me, just because it, it is a hard concept to think about. And that's the lie that's often presented mm. or the misconception, depending on the person's mm -hmm. motivation, but that this group of people or these church leaders are the ones who decided. And I found a quote from that. I, it really helped my understanding. I think it's from F.F. Bruce, who's a mm -hmm. New Testament theologian, scholar, yeah. theologian. But he said, the Council of Nicaea did not meet to discuss which books belonged in the New Testament canon. It recognized the books that the church had from the beginning considered to be the word of God. Right. Mm. And that seems simple, but I think that's missed a lot. Oh, Even yeah. Yeah. the first time I studied the Council of Nicaea, it was like, oh, they decided on the Bible. Yeah. And yep. that... That well, the winners won. Exactly. And yeah. that was the, the book that we have both read about the deconstruction of the girl mm -hmm. that we know. Mm-hmm that that's very much the view uh, that she puts forth is like, Oh my yeah. goodness. How do I, how can I believe this book that was just decided by a group of people? Come on now. Right, and I'm right. like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's good for us as reasonable believers to understand yeah. how this came into existence. The gospels were already being bound together. The four gospels that we have yeah. were already being bound together by the time the last of the apostles were dying. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so, it, that that was a that was the case. You have, you know, the and and by the way, the gospels were generally 
probably written after a lot of the letters mm-hmm. or, or contemporarily to a yeah. lot of the letters. Most of these things were written between 50 and 70 AD. Mm. So 20 years after Jesus left, because again, remember, there was at least some thought in these people's mind. I mean, Jesus' last commission to them was not go and write all this stuff down. Right. It was go make disciples. So that's what they did. And they went around the world. And it wasn't until they started dying. It was like, oh my goodness, thought, um, we might. <laughs> we probably ought to write this stuff down. Yeah. And wow. <clears throat> because they thought there was a good he's chance come back. he's coming back while we're alive. Yeah. They, by the way, it's also a little bit of a false teaching that, that they all thought Jesus was coming back while they were alive. It is true that they all thought he certainly could come back okay. while they were alive at any moment. I mean, he could show up any time. They clearly believed that. But they weren't all under the assumption. Like, they weren't all disappointed when they died that he hadn't shown They didn't all like, oh, well, we were wrong about all that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a correct understanding. It was, man, this could happen at any point. And, and they were wrestling with what if Jesus's predictions had already happened? What of them haven't already happened? And you see that very early, all the same things we discussed today. Yeah. They were discussing within 50 years and, uh, whether it's eschatology, the end time stuff, whether it's the age of the earth, whether it's what, whatever it is, they were already discussing those things with the church, the second and third generation of Christians going, Hey, what does this mean about this? And what does it mean about this? And, mm. What are we? What do we have to believe, and what do we not have to believe, and and all that yeah. stuff? That was already they were already deconstructing their faith and reconstructing it. How um, cool as they worked through it. Yeah, we're we're joining a, like a you know a, a train of several thousand, and they still held fast to the core beliefs and and stuck with that despite the amount of mm-hmm. persecution they faced, mm-hmm. and those messages the core beliefs have maintained, and they've been maintained now for a couple thousand years mm-hmm. if you count the Jewish teaching four or 5,000 years at least. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty amazing to consider that. And the yeah. thing that's helpful to understand the important, I think a lot of people don't realize the importance of early authorship that it, oh, yeah. it was written down by these people is because mm-hmm. there's this idea that you've got Jesus, the man, and then eventually that evolved into Christ, the God yeah. man, mm-hmm. the myth kind of the myth, thing? kind of like yeah. Santa okay. Claus was okay. St. Nicholas. Who's a real guy. And then yeah. over time it turned into this guy who sees you when you're sleeping. Right. And yeah. knows when you're awake and mm-hmm. keeps record of all your good and bad deeds. Right. And so early authorship. Wait, are you saying? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you can't, you got a spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, we'll put that so in the show notes. <laughs> what, what's helpful, I, I have some additional re- reminders in that area that the, the gospels weren't written way later. Yes. Um, and one of them is they are, there's aspects of Jesus' ministry that are recorded or preserved that seem to have no real point or that yes. seem to be <laughs> yes. not helpful. Yes. Like if you're yes. trying to get this guy to everyone to believe your message, why would you make the disciples yeah. look like idiots? <laughs> right, which they always do. Only mm-hmm. women were the ones who believed at first. Yeah. Like yeah. There's mm-hmm. all these things that you, you you wouldn't include those things. Right. Like random, like cursing the fig tree. Like, right, right. I still don't know why. Like, like what's, what's happening? Why what's would going you put on? that in there? Especially when um, Mark references, it wasn't the season for figs. Right. Like when Mark puts that in, like, wait, <laughs> yeah, why, why include? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's in cool. Another uh, one that's a big one is he he references that Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. Right. And so if you're trying to bolster his credibility as this guy from God, you would say, yeah, but it's never mentioned, like in Acts, for right, example, right. That, nope. that that actually that happened. happened. Or else you would have right. if Acts had you know had been written after. 
uh, after that. So there's there's aspects that even are, uh, even Revelation, which may have been written in the 90s, yeah. does not directly reference. Hey, Jesus said the temple was going to fall, and it did. People, right? Like mm-hmm. it, that's right. not even that's there's never rubbed in your face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing too, <clears throat> if the church was inventing this Jesus to meet all of its own early needs. He didn't talk about issues no. that they dealt with, like circumcision. Right. Like that was a huge. I mean, the huge problem. Biggest, you know, church council that they ever had was on, on that issue, or, um, you know, spiritual gifts, or right, or right. Gentile inclusion, or the role of women, um, what foods are clean or unclean. Like those are all big things that plague the church that Jesus didn't address. So, or not clearly enough right, to go. Not clearly enough. Here's the answer. So if you're trying to it. invent this religion where he answers all that stuff, you would. You put those words in his mouth, probably. But yeah. So there's other aspects that I've said many times. If if they were creating a religion, they blew it. <laughs> they blew it. I mean, they didn't come across looking good. Jesus doesn't even always. He has some terrible PR moments in his ministry that you go, "Why did you just don't include that? Don't right. you don't have to put it all in? You know, uh-huh. the stuff that's hard." And yeah, and yeah, your point, Chris, is a great point that they were. If if they were trying to solve their own religious issues, again, they yeah. they massively blew it. They should have put a lot of things in Jesus's mouth to clear things up that he didn't say, and it has been it created a crisis mm-hmm. like it that that a lot of them we're still wrestling through today. Yeah, I mean we're still. You know, why didn't Jesus tell us what to do with cell phones? I mean, it would have been. Yeah. Can you imagine how cool it would have been if two thousand years ago, if Jesus had said, "Okay, the day is going to come when you're all carrying around this." You know, piece more, of metal. this piece of metal in your pocket <laughs> that will give you all information, including all the bad information. Here's what you should do when that happens. And we yeah. got to be like, look, oh my gosh, he nailed it. <laughs> like, that kind of stuff would be really good. If you're inventing it, we're not. Right. They didn't even do that for their own time period, much less now. And so yeah. I, I think, yeah, I've always thought one of the things I like about Christianity is is what a poor attempt at a religion it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, it, and then, what we tend to do as Christians is then we, we start creating a religion. We keep trying to recreate a religion after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's tough. And you see what happens when we do anything like, okay, we've done the research. We've done the work. We're going to go with these 66. There may be another couple that could be included, but we're not confident. So we're going to leave them out. There may be a one or two that we're including that I could get to where questionable, but we've been convinced to the level of conviction that this is the, they belong in. So we're going to make that decision final now. Mm. And here we are 1,500 years later still defending that decision. Mm-hmm. Wow. Imagine if they had said, and then this, and then this, and then this, and just created this massive list, how we would have to do that. So people say, we want clarity, but they, but then the minute you have any clarity, they, everybody throws a fit about it. So it's, it's, yeah. a, tough, it's a tough win yeah. sometimes. And. We mentioned, I think, in the Old Testament, how much archaeology supports the Old Testament. But same thing in, the, in like the Book of Acts and Luke and things like that. Like, um, there's a guy named Sir William Ramsey, which was this really famous archaeologist who doubted that Luke really was the author and that it was, you know, firsthand. But then he eventually became convinced after studying it. Yep. Like, I think he became a believer. Well, wow. it kind of came out later that he, after studying all this stuff, but. But archaeology still applies to the New Testament too. You want to you want to have that be our maybe our focus next time is so we can wrap up this canonization conversation, mm-hmm. New Testament especially how we ended up with the books we did and what are some of the controversies, and uh, 
you know, why they even thought this was a good idea. And then maybe we can jump over into our, some of our favorite archaeological mm, things. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructive Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers.